0: scripture lesson for today, the fifth Sunday of the season of Lent, comes from John chapter 12, verses 20 through 33. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder, but others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine now is the judgment of this world now the ruler of this world will be driven out and i when i am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself he said this to indicate the type of death with which he was to die the gospel of the lord well people of god may the grace and peace of our triune god be yours today and forever amen Have you ever thought about the strange idea or the strange sensation of doing something for the last time? There are countless different examples of this. It it could be any sort of thing. It might be something that you do every day, or perhaps something you do once a week, or, or maybe once a month, or once a year. But think about this idea of a thing that you do regularly and the idea that at some point, that'll be the last time that you do it. Now, I can think of a lot of different examples. Think of like when you were in high school, maybe the last time your senior year when you played in a football game or, or you ran in a track meet or, or the last time you sang in a concert or played your instrument for a pep band, one of those things. Maybe you've changed jobs and you think about the last time you walked the halls of your office or, or even came out of your office building for the last time. I can remember one, I've I've thought about this before, it's it's an idea, it's something I I do, just a practice that I do every single time we have moved from one place to another, whether it's out of a house or out of an apartment or whatever, I have always, every single time, done my last walk through, the very last thing, and, and, and that sense, that finality of pulling the door shut and locking it for the last time, knowing I'm never gonna go through there again. Now, these are types of things where maybe we realize this is the last time I'm going to do this. But there's a flip side to that too. And I think about those times when maybe something happens and we don't realize that's the last time I was going to do that. Or maybe someone who witnesses may not realize that's the last time that's going to happen. Now that sense, this, this idea of things coming to a close, this finality, that is present within our scripture where we're at here in John's gospel, both at this point in the season as well as the gospel itself. Now we've got a couple of finishing points that are happening right after this passage. Chapter 13, we have Jesus' last time with the disciples. It's actually in the setting of the Last Supper and over the course of several chapters, he goes through this final time with the disciples. They call it the farewell discourse, the last time he will spend with his disciples prior to his death. This is the last public setting, the last time of public proclamation that Jesus will have. Now, it's the week of the festival of Passover. So there's lots and lots of people that are in Jerusalem. that gathered for the festival. Jesus is kind of in and out of the city the whole time. And he's he's into the temple and he's, he's preaching and he's proclaiming and he's teaching and he's doing all these different kinds of things. But this is the last time that he will actually do so publicly. What's interesting about it is I wonder who was aware of that i can't help but think that the people in the audience maybe even the ones that were closest to jesus like the disciples couldn't quite wrap their head around the finality of this they didn't realize this is the end of it we find that evidenced in what we hear in the narrative that there were some greeks that were there in the city they'd come for the festival and they want to see jesus so they find philip And they say, Philip, we want to see the Lord. We want to see Jesus. And Philip goes and finds Andrew. And then together, Philip and Andrew, they go and find Jesus. And they're like, hey, these Greeks want to come and see you. Now, I can only imagine what was going through their head, why they were wanting to see Jesus. Maybe they'd heard him speak before and they wanted to get to know him a little bit better, like person to person or on the individual basis. Maybe they'd heard about Jesus, and they wanted to try and interact with him because they'd heard of his teachings, or they'd heard of his miracles. Maybe they were just wanting to experience it for themselves. We don't know. We're not given that detail, but for whatever reason, they are trying to encounter Jesus, and it seems for them, this is the beginning of something new. They may not realize it, but that seems to be the beginning. But I can't help but think Jesus is aware that we are on the other end of this coin. He knows, or he seems to know anyway, that this is an ending. And we hear that in what he talks about, because as he responds, when Andrew and Philip come up to him, and he's like, hey, these Greeks wanna come and meet you, he responds with this tiny little micro parable Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now, anyone who's a farmer or has ever worked in a garden knows the truth of that. You plant a seed, because if you don't plant it, nothing happens. But if you do plant it, it grows up and it produces more of itself. That's true in that idea. And it seems to be the case in whatever that it is that Jesus is trying to accomplish through his life, and his pending death and his resurrection but as we think about this as we think about where Jesus is at I believe fully knowing what to expect fully knowing what was about to happen we see that he's not okay with it and Jesus says my heart is troubled I believe Jesus sees that the things are not as they could be That they are not as they should be he understands that because remember jesus is also god and i believe god also knows that this world good as it is is not as it could be and as it should be and that there is brokenness in the world and there is brokenness in humanity and that's what jesus is trying to somehow overcome but it's not going to be easy jesus knows it my heart is troubled things are not as they could be and the result of that is going to be rough that he says, but what are we to say about these things? What do I say? How do I respond? Should I say, God, let this hour pass? And he says, no, this is why I'm here. Jesus knows that whatever it is that he's going to accomplish through the cross, through his death and then his subsequent resurrection, it's not gonna be easy. My heart is troubled. And yet through this, Through this troubling thing, I will draw all of humanity to myself. That's the the aspect on the back end of this passage that I really appreciate. Jesus knows whatever is going on, whatever is about to happen, whether his audience knows and understands it or not, he knows. He knows it's not going to be easy. But in doing so, when I am lifted up from the earth, when I am put on that cross, I will draw all people to myself. Now, I love that statement, all people. And folks, I can't help but think that that's pretty cut and dry. All people kind of sounds like all people, like all of humanity, kind of all-encompassing, right? It seems to be fairly clear. But there's a tension there. What does Jesus really mean? Do we really think he means all people? Does he actually mean all people? Or is it only certain people? And that, folks, is a debate that has been going on for roughly 2,000 years. Since the beginning of the church, we have debated, we have questioned, we have thought about this and that and the other thing, and is does that apply to these people? Does it apply to these people? Does it apply to these people? Who's in, who's out? And we continue to see not only in this moment, But throughout the course of history, over and over and over again, humanity has grown really, 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 really good at drawing a line in the sand of making some sort of division between who's okay and who's not, between who's favored and who isn't, who's good to go and who's not. The church has followed suit. Over the course of 20 centuries, we have gone on and on and on and continuously debated over and over and over again who has salvation who doesn't who has god's favor who doesn't who's in who's out but over and over and over again throughout the course of the scriptures we continue to see time and time and time and time again that whenever someone with the appearance of power draws a line in the sand of saying of who's acceptable and who isn't who is good to go and who is pushed to the margins it seems like time after time after time especially in the gospels jesus is on the opposite side of that line, standing with those who are marginalized. Now this tendency that we have, both human beings, individuals, not to mention the church, this tendency that we have to draw that line in the sand has caused all kinds of issues. Issues of judgment, issues of exclusion, issues that have caused pain and hurt To person after person after person and group after group after group. It's not good. It's not a good thing. It's a troubling thing. Now, those things are bad enough by themselves, but sometimes they amp up. And today, my heart is troubled because of news that broke this week out of Atlanta. Teachings that settled in and created a sense of racism, of saying this particular race or culture is less than, and of genderism, these people, these women are less than, and it has resulted in racism, in sexism, and ultimately resulted in murder. This is troubling. When we create within ourselves a sense of justification that I'm good, and if I'm okay, that means that there are others that aren't. But what we forget is what Jesus himself said. I am drawing all people to myself. Well, there's both good news in there and there's troubling news in there because if God is drawing all people to himself, that means God's drawing me. And yet I recognize the brokenness that's within me. Think about the Psalm that we had. It talks about that. You know my sin, it's ever before me. I recognize my need for God's grace and mercy. But oftentimes we have the tendency to think, well, yeah, I'm worthy of it, but I don't know about them. I don't think they are. I don't think they're worthy of that same grace and mercy. But folks, we're all on the same playing field. All of humanity, which has been drawn near by Jesus through the cross, somehow includes everyone. And that means that if you are worthy of the mercy and grace of God, I am worthy of the mercy and grace of God. And they are worthy of the mercy and grace of God. And they are worthy of the mercy and grace of God, even if we can't wrap our head around it. That is the utterly amazing and also, at times, utterly frustrating idea of the grace of God. Either it's for everyone or it's for no one that is what is being accomplished, whether we understand it or not. And let's be honest, there's times when we don't understand it. And there's times when perhaps we look to God and we think, hey, where do you fall on this? You wanna come down and and stand somewhere in line so we know really what the stance is, so that we can understand, so that we know where you're at so that we know where what, what the ultimate thing is, so that we know, can, can, can you come show us so that we know? Maybe that was what was ultimately underneath whatever those Greeks were doing. We want to see the Lord. We all want to see the Lord. We want to be able to know what are the right answers. Is there a right answer? Is there a line in the sand? All of these things that we wonder, but maybe ultimately what we need to remember that whatever it was that God was accomplishing through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, it's not about us somehow figuring it out. It's not about us ultimately knowing where God stands or where God is or what God is or whatever. Maybe it's about being known by the one who's doing the action in the first place. Jesus doesn't say, when I am lifted up from the earth, everyone will come to me. He says, I will draw all people to myself. It's always about the action of God. That's the promise of the gospel. It's not about what we do. It's not about what we achieve. It's not about what we get right or mess up on. It's about the action of God and God's claim upon those who are made in God's image. And folks, that's all of humanity. All of humanity is made bearing the divine image, whether we like it or not whether we agree with it or not. That is the gospel. The grace of God is for all the world. We also hear in John's gospel, God so loved the world. And here we hear, he draws all people to himself. Our hearts may be troubled by much these days, perhaps sometimes a little bit more specifically for one purpose than another, but our hearts are troubled because life can be troubling it often is because the brokenness which Jesus has somehow overcome through the cross is still present that's the strange aspect of this the tension of it being fulfilled and yet not completed whatever that means but may we cling to the promise that God has made to each of us that through the cross God has drawn us near And that through the cross, through the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, our brokenness has been overcome. That's what we'll celebrate at the table of Holy Communion in just another moment. The body of Christ is broken for you. The blood of Christ is shed for you to somehow overcome that which you cannot and draw you near out of God's great love for you. It's not about knowing where God falls. It's about God knowing and claiming.